Open your Bible to John chapter 13. I will take the time to read quickly verses 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and, that, and, and it's interesting that he said that because he knows he's fixing to go to the cross, but he already knows he's got the victory. Somebody say amen right there. And that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, doest thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. It's amazing how you'll change your tune when the Lord rebukes you. Verse number 10, Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he saith he, You are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord. And ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now focus with me, verse number 5. After that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Today my assignment is to preach to you on this thought, Jesus Christ at your service. Jesus Christ at your service. You can be seated now in the presence of the Lord. I appreciate you giving your attention to the reading of God's Word. It's interesting to think about Jesus as a servant. We all know that He is our Savior. We all know that He is Lord. We all know that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. We all know that He is all-powerful. We know He's all-present. We know He is not just uh, the Son of God, but He's God the Son. And He is high and lifted up. Amen. And He is all of that. And yet He serves. And it's interesting to me that God would, uh, through uh, the instrument of His Son Jesus, show us through this uh, process of washing feet, his intended purpose for coming to the earth. 
He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Can I say it to you this way? Some people today are too good to serve others. They think they're too high up to stoop down to somebody else's perceived uh, low elevation. They think they assume they're higher than others. And they will never disgrace themselves by lowering themselves. But the Bible even teaches us to condescend to men of low degree. And that is, we've got to be deliberate and intentional to keep our pride in check by fellowshipping with those that our flesh ordinarily would not want us to fellowship with. Uh, we, the God is teaching us to embrace those that many would forsake and many would shun and many would be embarrassed to be hanging out with and so I want to be known as the preacher and I want this church to be known as the church that embraces whosoever will amen I, I don't care so much whether or not uh, they don't have the finest uh, clothing or the fanciest car the thing I'm concerned about is do we have something with which to feed their soul and we can we extend an open hand uh, of invitation to them can we serve them no matter who they are where they've come from how much money or how little money they have. Can I get an amen, church? And Jesus is saying to us that he came to serve. I want to give you three, three points real quickly I want to point out in our text. Look at verse number four. He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. I want to say number one, Jesus dressed for the job. Can I get an amen? Jesus dressed for the job. In fact, I would point to you all the way back to the manger to illustrate this in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 12 where the Bible said, And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Look what a wonder to behold that the King of kings, that the Lord of Lords would step down out of his robe of royalty and enter into a robe of flesh uh, uh, to humble himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, and was literally born to serve and born to die for you and I. He dressed for the job. He got down to where he needed to go. He knew that the only way he could help us all humble rotten, dirty sinners was to come to where we were because if he waited for us to ascend to his height, there would never be a connection made. And so he rolled up his sleeves and he got fit for the job and he came down in a humble major in Bethlehem. Now note historically that when a sheep there in Bethlehem at that time was about to give birth, the Levitical shepherds who raised sheep for the purpose of sacrificial lambs there in the temple in Jerusalem would take that sheep to what they called the tower of the flock on the outskirts of Bethlehem. The newborn lambs were placed in a manger that is a clean stone bed. And isn't it interesting that the bed was made of stone? Amen. And it was done for the purpose of examining with 
swaddling cloths, white linens, which would be used to find or search for any blemish. And, and so Jesus, as a sign, was making a bold statement that he was coming as a lamb to be slain for the sins of his people. Sacrifices had to be without spot or blemish. So much care was taken to ensure the lambs were free of any infirmity. So how incredible is it that the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, was born in the exact place that the sacrificial lambs for the temple were born. Friend, he was without spot so that he could sacrifice himself for us. I'd say it this way. He got dressed for the job. Amen. They wrapped him in swaddling clothes. And just as they inspected that darling son of God, they found no fault in him. And though they dabbed him with a white swaddling cloth, there was no blemish to be found in this Lamb of God. His whole life could be studied. And not one sin can be found in the life of Jesus Christ from his birth to his death and afterward. And the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 said, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for suffering for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. And I just want to say today that I'm thankful that Jesus Christ took the job. Amen. That he was willing to change his attire, to dress for the job. Can I get an amen, church? Aren't you glad that he didn't come to us in all of his holiness and righteousness without human form? For if he had done that, we would have never had a Savior. But he came in the likeness of man, and he dressed for the job. And he's making a statement by his garment. Look at this event where he removed his garments and took upon a towel. Now, that's, that's the introduction. Now, we're fixing to get into the good part. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Number two, I'd like to say this. Uh, he did the dirty work. He did the dirty work. Verse 5 of uh, the last part says he began to wash the disciples' feet. Now watch what he does next. And wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now wait a minute. This towel is his garment. This towel is not just something separate from himself, but something he has girded himself with. This is his clothing. And this is representative of what Jesus did on the cross when he washed your sins away and took your sins upon himself. Can you imagine after washing 12 disciples' feet in the city of Jerusalem or wherever they were, how nasty and how smelly that towel must have been? Let me ask you a question. Would you uh, ladies have put on a dress and then wash someone's uh, 12 men's feet uh, who wore sandals day in and day out, uh, amen, and then decided to wear the same garment that you used to wash their feet? Uh, what was Jesus doing by this? He was symbolizing 
symbolizing for his disciples what he came to do. He didn't just step down and get dressed for the job, but he also took upon himself that which we rightly deserved, and that was the punishment for sin. For 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 said, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Aren't you glad that Jesus took your sin on the cross this morning? Can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise for the fact that he washed your sins away, that he took your sin debt and paid it in full with his very own blood? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 said, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And here's why he did it, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And you see, many of you thought that Abraham's promise was all about monetary blessings. Many of you thought it was all about him getting wealthy in this world. But that was had nothing to do or little to do, although God blessed Abraham financially, the promise that he would bless all the nations of the earth was through Jesus Christ and the promise made by faith that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if Jesus had not come down to where we were and if Jesus did not lay down his robe of royalty and put on a robe of flesh and if Jesus did not lay down his garment and gird himself to serve us, then we would have no hope of eternal life. We would be found wanting before God. We would stand before the judge of the universe and give an account of every single dirty deed we've ever did, thought, or wanted to do. Can I get an amen? But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad to announce to you today that because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because I put my faith in him in repentance when I was 11 years old, that today I stand before you clean. I stand before you washed. I stand before you righteous. And it's not because Gary Caldwell's worth anything. It's because Jesus Christ bestowed his righteousness upon me. He took his towel and washed me clean. And he bore my sins there on the cross for me. Look at Jesus hanging there on the cross. At Christmas time, we like to decorate. We was talking about it, me and Miss Joy, yesterday. And we look forward to decorating the church for Christmas and and we like to be elaborate as we can, and, and, and that's all fun and everything. But I, I want you to look today at a different form of decoration. Look at Jesus hanging on the tree, decorated with your sins and mine. Look how vile. Look how nasty. Not that Jesus was, but that how repulsive it is to think that he had to bear what I've done. Some of you are so embarrassed about some of the things in your past, you wouldn't dare mention it to anybody. But it ought, all, it ought to bring us all to the sobering reality that every sin that we ever committed that nobody ever knew about, hang on Jesus. And he, he was adorned with our nasty filth. He took on our filth. He, there on the cross, took the very wrath of God for your sin and for mine. For the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. 
And there's only one sacrifice that would have been satisfactory for God to appease his wrath about our sin. And that was through the sacrifice of Jesus, the spotless lamb. So Jesus became our substitutionary sacrifice. That is, he paid the price for us because even if we had went through the process of being crucified for our own sins, our blood was tainted and it would not have been good enough for God. God was looking for a perfect, spotless fulfillment of his righteousness. Fulfillment of the law. And Jesus becomes the very fulfillment of the law of God in your life when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be accepted before God. If you think you can measure up to Jesus' righteousness, you need, you need to wake up, honey. There's some people living their days, trying their best to work their way to heaven, trying their best to, 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 to impress God, hoping maybe they do so much good that God will forget their bad. The only way God will ever choose to forget your sin is not because you covered up with more right, uh, uh, deeds of your own, but when you cry for mercy and ask for forgiveness and plead the blood of Jesus Christ, and he'll wash you and he'll cleanse you, and it'll be the righteousness of Jesus alone and not your righteousness that saves you. Jesus did the dirty work. He got in the trenches, and he got filthy for you and me. I, I think about, uh, uh, they say that lambs that, uh, that, uh, they, they get, that wander off and they get lost, uh, often they get caught up in all kinds of filth, and, and, and if they go very long at all, uh, their, their, uh, their uh, wool will become filled with uh, rocks, mud, debris, briars, uh, uh, pestilence, all kinds of things, uh, and 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 it it can eventually weigh that sheep down and even and kill it. And, and I got to thinking about that: how that the Lamb of God, how much weight He had to carry. Amen. How how much was the wall of the darling Lamb of God filled with the filth of this world? To pay for the sin of every man, woman, boy, and girl from, from, uh, from the beginning of time all the way to the end of time. Can you think about how matted he was? Can you think about how weighted he was? Can you think about how precious he is to withstand and how awesome he is to be able to hold up under all that pressure and still be found with no guile in his mouth? Uh, I'm telling you, he did such a thorough job for you. You don't need to try to help God save you. You just need to repent of your sin and let him do the work. Can I get amen hallelujah he did the dirty work and then lastly i want to notice this john chapter 13 verse 14 i've preached to you a lot about how to get saved but now i want to show you once you're saved how you're supposed to serve he said if i then your lord and master have washed your feet you ought also to wash one another's feet for i've given you an example that you should do as i have done Number three, I want to say this, he made disciples. That is, he made followers. What he's saying is, as I have come to serve you, I send you forth to serve others. And he's not teaching that we can become somebody else's substitutionary sacrifice. But he is teaching that we will have to make some sacrifices to get others to Jesus. And sometimes we value our comfort over somebody else's eternal destiny. We value our pride over somebody else's eternal destiny. We value our schedule 
over somebody else's eternal destiny. We, can, can I get an amen somewhere in the house this morning? Amen. Are we too convicted to say amen? We value so many things, yet Christ is pleading for us to put ourselves out there, to make some sacrifices, to serve others, to, to humble ourselves. You know, if you're too good to serve God, then you're no good at all. We make our excuses, but the Lord said, are you any better than your master? What makes us think that if Jesus went through all that to you, for you and I to have eternal life, that, that we get off scot-free? And that we don't have to do anything. He did it all, praise God. Well, he didn't go out and uh, invite your neighbor to church, did he? That's your job. He didn't pick up the phone and call somebody and encourage them when they were down, did he? That's your job. You see, Jesus saved us so that we could serve him. Can I get an amen? amen? I'm talking about Jesus Christ at your service. How many people can Jesus serve today if his people were willing to serve others under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? You see, Jesus still serves today, but he chose to do it through you and me. We are his representatives. And it breaks my heart at all the times I look at my past and I neglected to serve when I should have and could have. When for whatever reason, what I wanted, what Gary Caldwell wanted, was more important. And yet there are people around me that if I was willing to pay and sacrifice. And you know, some people don't come to church unless it's convenience. It's like the last thing on their list, if we can fit it in. And that's a big, giant if. And forget getting involved in anything. Good luck just getting them to church on Sunday morning. I'm not meddling, I'm preaching. Jesus Christ said, are you any better than your master? He wants us to serve others as he served us. And, and I, don't, I don't want you to get caught up in the specificity of the text and start a foot washing ministry. Amen? Because today, I don't need, somebody may not need you to wash their feet, but they, they may need you to take them to town because they can't get out on their own. Hello? Amen? Are you getting what I'm saying? There are many ways to serve. Well, I just don't have time. Well, and neither do they have time to sit, sit at home and starve with no help. Hello? I, I'm just, uh, that's just one of many examples I can give. But where's the church serving today? Where's the church who's willing to give it all for Jesus because he gave it all for us? Is he really asking anything too much of us? How could we ever accuse God of saying, well, that's just too hard? You're asking too much of me. His commandments are not grievous. Amen. He will never ask you to do anything that he can't enable you to do. Now, he may ask you to do something you can't do on your own. But that's where faith kicks in. You have to step out and say, okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, here we go. God told me to start a radio ministry back last year. Amen. And now we're on three radio stations, and God's raised somebody up to pay for all of it. I didn't know that was going to happen. I just stepped out in faith, did what God said do. And I like what one preacher said, if you'll step out in faith, you can trust God to put dirt on your foot before it hits the ground. 
I'm talking about getting out and serving. I'm talking about serving others. I'm talking about where are you? Are you missing in action? Let me tell you something, church. This, this event, this church, the, the church activities, they don't, they don't happen on their own. And I know we all know this, but sometimes we need a reminder that it requires an equal amount of participation from all members available to make the work of God go on. We can't go it alone. We need all hands on deck. We need all 12 disciples at the Lord's Supper having their feet washed and being taught how to wash others' feet, being taught how to serve others, being taught how to humble themselves, amen, even as low as the ground if need be to lift others up. Can I get an amen? Jesus said in verse 16, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. See, we don't like the idea of service because, you know, sometimes it's not fun. It's not fun sometimes to serve God. But there's a difference between it being fun and you being happy. You can have the joy of God bubbling over under great sacrificial cost. And there's no greater joy than to know that you've done what God's called you to do. Amen. And I want you to think about the example that Jesus is saying. Now, my title is Jesus Christ at your service. But I'm bringing it to where we live today and how this applies to us today. How is Jesus going to serve this community if he don't reach them through you and I? If not us, who? If not now, when? If not here, where? God's moving. Are you going to join? And are you going to do what God's asking you to do? Amen. It's time to serve. It's time to break out of the box. It's time to, uh, it's time to, to, to get past all our hesitations, our reservations, our lame excuses. Amen. All the things, the trappings we come up with as to why. And we can come up with some doozies, baby. We can figure out all kinds of reasons why we justify not serving God. But the bottom line is when we're not serving others, we're acting as if we're better than Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came to serve, and if he didn't get off the hook, then neither should we. Jesus went all the way to the cross. He's not even asking us to do that. You resisted under blood, striving against sin. What you whining about? Oh, it's so hard to serve God. They're going to make fun of me. Let them make fun of you. Do it anyway. Since when did we ever lose our spine and, and start worrying about what the world thinks? Can I get an amen? It's time to get bold for Jesus. It's time, to, it's time to get loud for Jesus. It's time to quit being embarrassed and ashamed. Because Paul the Apostle said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those that believe. You see, the only way they're going to hear is when you stop being ashamed of wearing his name. That's the only way we're going to serve him is when we quit acting embarrassed. Does it embarrass you to tell others? about Jesus? Does it embarrass you to invite others to church? Some teenagers struggle with this because they got their cool friends. Yeah, they want to be hip and cool or whatever the word is today. <laughs> want to be popular. 
How much is that worth on judgment day? Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. You're trading eternal reward for temporary appeasement. Serve God. Make it count. Life is short and soon will pass. Only what's done for Jesus will last. God's calling us to serve this community. Serve ourselves, sure. But go beyond yourself. Go beyond this church. And I'm just going to go on record to say this. You don't have to be a church member for our church to help you. Can I get an amen? That's right. This is not a clique or a club where you have to be a member of the elite to get help. Amen. We're supposed to serve the community. How are we going to reach them if we act a snub nose and say, well, you've got to join before you can do this or that or the other. And I understand you, got to, you can't just let any old heathen come in here and vote because if they lost, they're going to vote wrong, right? I'm talking about serving people. I'm talking about helping people. I'm talking about getting out and, and, and getting past this uh, me and mine and us and ours and us four and no more mentality and actually going out to the community and winning people to Christ. So I'm going to just be honest with you. When Next time we have an event to reach out, I'm going to expect more people to show up than last time. I'm not being ugly. I'm, just let, I'm raising the level of expectation. I love all of you, and I know... There are reasons that you couldn't be here, and I'm not fussing if that's the case. I don't want you to take me the wrong way. I, I, I give a lot of grace in those areas. But I'm putting it out there in case somebody should have been here, and they need to be challenged. Because the Bible instructs me as your pastor to provoke you to love and the good works. That is to push you to do what's right. And if I'm not pushing you a little bit, I'm not doing my job. Amen. If I'm not preaching like this, you... I ought to fire me and find somebody else. Amen. Amen. We, we need to be pushed, don't we? We need to be challenged. We need to be challenged to serve. And we all need to get involved if we're born again and if we're available. Some people can't, but some people just won't. I'm preaching to the ones that won't. Just won't do it. Are you any better than your Lord? The service kind of took a turn that you didn't expect, didn't it? Uh, let, let, me, let me try to bring this to a close. I've got one more verse to look at. Verse number... Now, let me go to John chapter 4 and verse 35. This is really the heartbeat of Jesus. John chapter 4 and verse 35. Say not ye... There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, watch what he says next, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Some are still waiting on something. I don't know what they're waiting on. I remember as a young teenager, we was seeking God for revival at the church I grew up in. And I was waiting on God to send revival so I could get right. And then one day the Holy Ghost said, uh, revival is you getting right. You don't wait on revival. Revival's waiting on you. Amen. Revival don't come and then you get right. You get right and that brings revival. And some of you are waiting on God to, I don't know, sit in your lap or something or, or shake you and make you. Listen, 
if you don't, if you can't be stirred by the Holy Spirit of God through the preaching of the Word of God, like in service like this morning, I'm sorry. There's nothing else to provoke you. It's the preaching of the cross that are, that are to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And preaching ought to stir us. Preaching ought to motivate us. And yes, preaching ought to convict us and challenge us to look at ourselves in the mirror of the Word of God and find the blemishes that don't look like Jesus and ask the Lord to wash us and cleanse us and help us to look more like Jesus, act more like Jesus, be more like Jesus, and do more like Jesus. Amen? And I want to tell you, Jesus loves everybody in this community far more than any of us ever could. But I'm wondering why they hadn't heard yet. I'm wondering why we ain't so on fire for God that we're beating down every door, that we're knocking down every door we can to tell others about Jesus. Some of the greatest soul winners this world would have ever known if it could have happened is if they released hell back in the earth. The inhabitants of hell would be far better soul winners than any of us today because we like to condition our minds to cushion ourselves from the eternal reality of hell without God. And somehow we have enabled ourselves to weave through life uh, and just block out of sight, out of mind. And we don't think about uh, all the souls perishing uh, because it's too uncomfortable. And, and God wants to stir us back up uh, and help us to look up to the fields because they're white right now because Jesus... Jesus could come at any moment, and if we wait till tomorrow or next week or next month, it could be too late. It could be too late. He said to the disciples, y'all saying the harvest is four months down the road? I'm saying, look, right now, open your eyes. If it were me, and I'm glad it wasn't, I would have said, open your stinking eyeballs. Amen. How can we claim to be so full of light and yet? walk in such blindness and here's the way we walk we walk around I remember when I was a boy you know all the kids do this they play peekaboo you know they they think that if they cover their eyes you can't see them <laughs> amen and when we cover our spiritual eyes and we think God don't notice and we kind of open up a little crack right there so we can peep out every once in a while but uh but we're obstructing our view and that's the way we walk around sometimes we we don't want we're, we're so tired of the negative news uh, we don't want to hear about somebody else that needs help after all preacher i got my own troubles i ain't got time to worry about somebody else's I get it, but has it ever occurred to you that if you will do what God says to do and help somebody else, that God will take care of your business while you help take care of somebody else's? Have you ever seen God do that in your life? If you haven't, it's a joy to experience. You ought to try it sometime. Amen. I remember a time that uh, the only money we had left was grocery money. We was in a meeting, and God said, give an offering to the missionary, and we wrote a check and gave every last dime, that, I, if I best I can remember, that we had. In faith. I didn't know how we was going to pay our bills. I didn't know how we was going to buy our next meal. I'm not bragging either. But I'm testifying. Can I say it worked? You know what God did? God provided our need. I don't even remember how now, but I can shout about it. Hallelujah. I, I do remember that he did it. He fixed it. I do remember that he came through. You see? It's a sacrifice to serve. And sometimes we've got to put ourselves out there. Sometimes we've got to be uncomfortable. Sometimes we've got to do what we're not naturally inclined to do to serve God. It's not natural to wash somebody's feet. I don't care what you say. That ain't natural. Amen. 
Wash your own feet, right? We're not naturally inclined to do that, but that's what service is all about. And if Jesus is going to be at this community service, he's going to have to start working through some of us. He's going to have to start stirring us up and reviving us. Amen. And I'm not asking this church to fall under a guilt trip and start doing things for Gary Caudill because you feel guilty because of the way I preached. I am not a manipulator and I refuse to manipulate. If God the Holy Ghost don't touch your heart and in pureness of heart you decide to serve, then I'm not interested. All I'm asking is that you open your ears to the Holy Spirit and if he speaks, jump in with both feet or head first, whichever way you want. Amen. I'll tell you this story and I'll close. Uh, me and my brothers lived in the mountains of North Carolina, well, foothills really. Uh, and there's a creek below the house that we would walk to and go swimming every summer. Sometimes we'd go fishing. And uh, my brother Chris was one of those that would step down in the water and inch himself in little by little. It'd take him 45 minutes to get completely submerged. And I was, like, too impatient for all that. I said, just forget that. I'm just going to go for the shock factor. And I do a cannonball, baby. I just jump all the way in. And in five minutes' time, I was already used to the water, and he was still over there knee-deep and freezing. <laughs> and you know what? That's what God wants to say to some of us. Just jump in the service of the Lord. you figure it out after you get in, right? <laughs> The Holy Spirit will help you figure it out. Sometimes, while you're waiting on how to figure it out, what to do, sometimes you just need to step out in faith. Say, okay, God, teach me as I go. I'm going to do it if you'll help me. And he'll help you. Just jump in and get involved and do what God called you to do.